All right. Good morning. Good to see you. Thanks for choosing uh, to be here this morning. Thanks to all of you that have joined us online. Very grateful. We are in our Advent season and currently in an Advent uh, series. Pastor Zach uh, preached on the theme of hope in our first week. Pastor Cade preached on peace last week. And today we pick up uh, the theme of Advent joy, and I want to talk about joy in the chaos. Uh, anybody had any? What are you? You're back. Hey, uh, sorry. It's like squirrel. Someone from the past is here. Um, so, uh, ha- has anyone had any chaos at all in their life ever? Right? I mean, we go through that, we have that stuff. And so, I want to look at two passages. Today, Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 and 18, Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 and 18, right at the end of the Old Testament, and then Luke 2, 10 and 11, Luke 2, 10 and 11, as we talk about joy, Advent joy. Uh, So let me do this. Let me start in the Nile River, which is probably not where you thought that we would start today, but there is a god in mythology, in Egyptian mythology, named, catch this name, Happy. Happy, and uh, happy is the god of the Nile, and 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 here's what happens if you're an Egyptian living in that time frame, and you're you're worshiping the god Happy. Every year, uh, floods come to the Nile River, and that's actually a really good thing. We don't like the word flood here, but there they really like the word flood because the Nile raises and it causes it to spill out of its banks, and it makes fertile the ground either side of the Nile moving to the fertile uh, crescent. And so if you get just the right amount of flooding, you'd get just the right amount of crops, just the right amount of, con- of economy. If you get too much, it's tragic. If you get it not enough, it's tragic. And so in Egyptian mythology, if happy provides, then you're happy. <laughs> it's based on your circumstances. Biblical joy is way different than that. Joy is sourced in God, in the God of our salvation, in spite of the circumstances. This is very different. Joy is not dependent on circumstances, but it's sourced in Jesus Christ himself. So we're going to read these two passages of scripture, and then we'll jump into that that entire idea. So stand up with me, if you will. You're uh, ready to stand because we've been standing uh, for a long time, and uh, we're going to keep standing for just a minute. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 and 18, and then Luke, 10, Luke 2, 10 and 11, two different places. So here's what the scripture says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And then Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. This is right in the middle of what we would, we would constantly think of as the Christmas story. It says in verse 10, And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ 
the Lord. You can be seated. So I Googled, how do you increase your joy? How do you increase your joy? I mean, the best place to go for good advice is Rabbi Google, right? That's the place that you should go, the person that you should go to. And actually, he gives some really terrible advice about how to increase your joy. Here's what he says about, here's what Google says about how to increase your joy. So the first thing you should do to increase your joy is perform regular aerobic physical activity. How many of you, does that bring joy to your heart? It will bring stress free. It will, it will lower your stress. It will make you feel better. I promise you that. I'm a proponent. But if you're, if you're looking for exercise to, you know, uphold your joy, uh, it's going to be fleeting. His second thing is this. He's like, you should dedicate yourselves to other people. And I'm also a proponent of dedicating yourselves to other people. But did you know that sometimes other people will steal your joy? will rob you from your joy. So again, this is not like a source that you can go to for joy that is, it, it is gonna be very reliable. It says, Rabbi Google says, connect with your spiritual side. What does that even, what does that even mean? You know, like my, which side is my spiritual side? The left side or the right side? What are you talking about? Do I have to make that up? That's no good. He says, discover something new. You know what happens when you discover something new? It's fun for a minute, but then it's old, right? You, you, you discovered it, and that discovery is sort of over, and it becomes old. You might enjoy it. You might like it, but it's not going to be a source of joy for you forever. Give yourself permission to take a few moments of pleasure, especially when you're feeling low. Now we're back to the Krispy Kreme donuts, right? We just got to got to do something to bring pleasure so when we're feeling low, we can be, uh, we can be happy again. And again, that's uh, fl- fleeting. Uh, conversely, it says maybe you should limit negativity in your life. Uh, if you're just driving during the Christmas season, uh, you have negativity in your life. I mean, so all these things, all these ideas that Rabbi Google gives, very secular ideas, none of them are going to help us with our joy. They may help us with other things, but they're not going to source deeply what is joy in my life because, because everything that he, he, he offers us is based on circumstance. The Bible teaches a very different idea of joy, and I'm going to begin here in Habakkuk because I want to talk about joy in the chaos. Our entire theme for Advent this year has been shalom to chaos. It is, it is our God that is constantly bringing from Genesis to Revelation peace or shalom to the chaos that is the broken world that we live in. That is the chaos of the inner struggle of our own lives. He's bringing constantly shalom to chaos. And here today we see he is the source of joy in chaos. So if you go to Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 and 18, if you just parachute into this book, what you're finding is that the people of God are under judgment And they have come to a very bad, bad time in their existence. And it's described like this. It it might not mean a whole lot to us, but it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. So this is all of their economy. This is everything 
that the people of God have to produce economy. If we were sort of putting this passage of scripture in uh, our vernacular today, it might be more like, uh, if all the oil dries up on the earth, or if uh, the president cuts the budget for NASA to zero, or, and you know, you're feeling it, right? You forget the fig tree. Like, what are you talking about, Pastor Brian? This is what they're feeling in that moment. Uh, it is the, in, entire, the, the destruction of economy and provision is stripped. And for the people that are, that are hearing this prophecy from Habakkuk, starvation is inevitable. I mean, the coffers are only so full. And so eventually starvation will come. This could lead to death. And Habakkuk says this. He makes this, this really keen observation in the midst of these terrible circumstances is that, that when, when the world, when my world, when your world is chaotic, there is one source of joy. When my world is chaotic, there's one source of joy. Here's what he says. He says, uh, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So when he says that he will rejoice in the Lord, he is saying that he will actively he will actively express joy in the Lord. And this is a very specific Lord. This is not like just one of the gods, but this is, this is the, 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 the YHWH name for God, the covenant name for God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who promised to the people that they would have a throne that there would be no end to, that would come, in fact, to fruition through Jesus Christ, that they would have provision and bounty for eternity because of him, that they would be fruitful and multiply because of him. He is going to, in the midst of this chaotic circumstance, rejoice actively, express joy actively in the right Lord, in the sovereign king of the universe the one who is our source of joy. He says this, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. This is like Elohim, uh, Ani, um, uh, Yesha, Yesha. It's, it's the root that we get the word Yeshua or Jesus from. He, we will take joy in the God of our salvation. Again, very specific, the God who is my savior. He is, after all, the God who promised to save us. And so, Everything is stripped from the people. Habakkuk is left with this message, and he's saying, if I starve to death, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Despite all the circumstances, in the midst of chaos, he sources joy in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of his salvation. Now, when we get to Luke chapter 2, 10 to 11, this is like now the promise has moved from the time of Habakkuk all the way to this Advent season, the time of the coming of Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. The people have been waiting on this. They know the promises. They've been waiting on this. And we find in Luke chapter 2, 10 to 11, that the news of Jesus is now characterized by what I'm going to call mega joy for all people. Look at Look, look at Luke chapter 2, 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is news of Jesus, and it's characterized by great 
joy or mega joy. I just want you to try to put yourself there for just a moment. So uh, let's pretend, let's imagine for a moment that you're a shepherd in this time frame. You're out in the fields watching the sheep, tending the sheep, leading the sheep. It's a common job. In fact, that part of the world, in that time frame, shepherding is the main thing, right? So these are normal people doing a hard, works, a hard work for a, for a wage that is common, and they're, they're just being faithful to the work, to the rhythm of it. They're out in the fields. And when it says they're out in the fields, don't think about, you know, these grassy fields, but think, think about rocky fields, it's just rock as far as you can see, deep valley as far as you can see outside of uh, Bethlehem. And they're waiting. And they've been waiting for this promise of the good news of Jesus for so long as Jewish people. They've been remembering the prophecies. They know Zechariah's prophecy and Malachi's prophecy and Isaiah's prophecy and all that point to this Jesus that would be born in just the right time. And what they find out in this message as their shepherds receive the, the message from the angels is that he's been born in Bethlehem. This is the right place and the right time, according to the prophecy in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It, it shows them that like he is the one. And the angels go on to, to, to announce that he is the Savior. Uh, in, in Greek, it's soter. It's, it's the one who rescues someone from danger or violence. Now, you think to yourself, like, what danger or violence have I been rescued from as a follower of Jesus? What, why, would, why would they have great joy at the announcement that the one that's born in the city of David, Bethlehem, is a soter, a savior? Well, they realize that uh, Jesus is the one who rescues people from their sins and the impending judgment and wrath of God because of those sins. In other words, they've been now because the Savior has come. There is good news of great joy that, that the one who is here who can take away sins, who forgives sins and removes the resulting judgment and wrath of God, he has literally rescued them from the danger and violence of the judgment of God. It says that not only is he a savior, but he is Christ the Lord, Christos Kyrios, the anointed one, the Lord. I don't know if you thought Christ was like a last name, Jesus Christ, but Christ means anointed one. It's not just any Jesus. There's a lot of Jesuses in the world. Did you know that? A lot of Joshua's, a lot of Yeshua's, a lot of Jesus's, a lot of Jesuses in the world. But there's only one that is the anointed one, born in Bethlehem, the Savior, Christ the Lord. And so the, the, the shepherds, these common people, receive this extraordinary message. And I find it very interesting that the angel says, I bring you good news, this evangelion, this gospel, this great news. I bring you good news of what is megas kara. Great joy, mega joy, great joy. I want you to ask yourself this question this moment. When was the last time that you thought 
of the birth of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and had mega joy, great joy. Not because it, necessarily because it's a feeling, but because it's an expression that you say, I believe that so much that it, it, it churns in me, despite my circumstances, it churns in me this mega joy knowing all the promises that come with it. The news of Jesus is characterized by mega joy for all people. So if Habakkuk says, when my world is chaotic, there's one source of joy, the God of my salvation, the angels are saying to the shepherds, uh, the, the ancient uh, uh, descendants of the hearers of Habakkuk, he's saying to them, today in Bethlehem, at just the right time is born the God of your salvation, the, Jesus Christ, the Savior. And this message, this good news is laced in mega joy. It's characterized by mega joy, and it trumps all of your circumstances. The news of Jesus is characterized by mega joy. Now, <clears throat> maybe here's the application point. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to myself, to yourself, maybe I'm thinking to myself, help me, Lord, I don't feel it. Help me, Lord, I don't feel it. Because circumstances tend to dictate how we feel a lot of times more than what we actually know to be true. Church people sometimes try to manufacture the appearance of joy when in fact they don't feel it at all because of circumstances, situations, decisions, sin, shame, whatever. Help me, Lord, I don't feel it. How could Habakkuk say, when everything is in ruins and I'm about to starve, I take joy in the God of my salvation? Do you think he felt good in that moment? Do you think he felt like, like, ah, uh, I'm not stressed anymore because, Jesus, because God is the God of my salvation? I'm not worried about if I'm going to eat or not because God is the God of my salvation. All those things were real tangible things that they were feeling at the, at the gr grassroots level, but they take joy. He sources joy in the God of his salvation. Maybe you're thinking, help me, Lord. I don't feel it. Here's a couple of thoughts uh, for me as much as they are for you. Perhaps, perhaps we need a perspective change, a worldview shift. What if this entire melodrama called life is actually not about me? What if it's actually not about you? What if it's the story of God? It makes more sense to me, actually, when I begin to think about it. If I live a lowly 80 years, if I, if I get to live that long, uh, that, is a very, that is a very small pixel in time. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. There's none like him. I sin and I'm in need. He's perfectly holy and in need of nothing. I'm in need of rescue and he is the rescuer. I'm in need of being saved and he's the savior. I am weak and he is strong. 
I don't love well all the time. He is love. His steadfast love never ceases. Doesn't it make more sense that he would be the one the story is about? If I put myself in the center and try to make myself God, then I look at my circumstances and I say to myself, I am not happy because God is not providing the way that I think that he should provide. He's not moving in my circumstances in the way that I think he should move. But if I take myself out of the center and I realize that this is his story, then I source my joy in the God of my salvation, who is restoring all things, who will judge sin and death, who will separate shalom and chaos, who will in this moment give us life and life abundantly as we pursue him. If I take myself out of the center, if I make that subtle perspective shift, it it actually becomes profound. To know this, that joy comes in knowing the God of our salvation and being in his presence is really important because joy never comes with circumstance. Happiness might, but happiness is fleeting. Joy is always sourced in God. Do you know how many really wealthy people I've met in my life that are not experiencing joy? How many really fit people I've met in my life who are not experiencing joy? How many uh, people that seem to have it all together that when you get down into their life, you realize like they don't have joy. They're living for the next moment of happiness that they hope to come, but they don't have joy because they don't source it, that joy, they don't source it in knowing the God of our salvation and being in his presence. How's your joy? How's your joy? I wanna give you some examples from scripture, but I, I think they're profound. They're good examples. These are all people. When you think about the people in the Bible, these are uh, real people, and they have real emotions, just like you have, and they went through really hard things just like you, you do. They experienced temptation just like you do. They have successes and failures in their lives just like just like you and I do. But I want you to hear these examples from the scripture. Let's start with Job. This is how Job responds after losing everything. For, and in fact, it was for the glory of God. He lost everything for the glory of God. Job 13, 15. Speaking of God, he says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. I love this verse actually because one, hope gives birth to joy if you hope in, in God. I also love that, Jesus, that Job says uh, of God that he, he slayed me. Sometimes we feel slayed by God because of our, our circumstances, knowing that he is sovereign. He, I, I love that he says, I will argue my ways to his face. This tells me that God can handle whatever I have to say. 
And yet he says, clearly, I will hope in him. This is after losing everything in his life for the glory of God. What about David? This is how David responds after feeling forgotten by God. Have you ever felt forgotten by God? Like, where are you? Um, here I am. Have you forgotten? Here's what David said after feeling forgotten by, by God. Psalm 13, verse 3 and 5. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. This is how David is feeling. Like, hello, you're going to have to open my eyes because I feel like I'm about to die. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I shall take joy in the God of my salvation, even though my enemies are about to destroy me and I feel like you've forgotten me. My circumstances are bad. I will rejoice in your salvation. That's David's response while feeling forgotten by God. How about the Magi when they find Jesus? They see the star, they come from the east. It says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They expressed this kara, this joy, uh, exceedingly with mega joy. Like this, this was changing everything for them. And, and they rejoice. And going into the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. When they finally found Jesus, their response was mega joy expressed in worship. Um, the Magi probably didn't have perfect lives. The journey probably wasn't easy. People probably thought they were crazy chasing a star. And yet when they finally found Jesus, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. How about the disciples after seeing the resurrected Jesus ascend to heaven? Think about that for a minute. They see him crucified, put in a tomb. They're grieving. Then he raises on the third day like he said he would. Now they're exuberant. And they spend about 50 days with him, and then he ascends from the Mount of Olives into heaven. He's gone again to the right hand of the Father. He would give them the Holy Spirit. But this is how they, they respond after seeing the resurrected Jesus ascend to heaven. Luke chapter 24, verse 52. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with mega joy, with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. He ascends to the right hand of the Father. All the promises they've seen lived out. They're going to receive the Holy Spirit. They walk away from the Mount of Olives, and they go over to uh, Jerusalem. It's just a short walk sort of down through the valley and up into the city. And they're walking with mega joy, with great joy. Now, these guys have nothing. They're going to be persecuted their rabbi has just ascended to the, to the throne. And they, they have this mega joy. 
this great joy. It's not because their circumstances are great. It's because all the promises are true because they put their hope in the God of their salvation. Listen to Jesus speaking to his followers about staying in his presence. In John 15, verse 11, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus' assumption is that we understand as his followers that if we abide in him, if we hang out with him, his joy will be in us and that joy is full in our lives. That's, that's despite our circumstances. It's interesting, one place in the scripture, it says that Jesus uh, endured the cross and, despi- and, and, and endured the cross for the joy set before him. I mean, that's terrible circumstances. You get the cross, that's the worst day of your life. He does it for joy. He says to his disciples, like, abide in me, and you will have uh, great joy. It'll be my joy that'll be inside of you. If you ask yourself the question, like, how's my joy? Uh, a really close, like, indicator of how your joy is is not what your bank account is, not what house you live in, not how much you have, what, what, what is really, uh, not, not how things are going circumstantially in life, but, but a good indicator of how your joy will be is have you talked with Jesus today? Have you just, like, had conversation with the risen Savior today? Have you heard him and obeyed him? This is the abiding that he's talking about, and Jesus makes it really simple. Like, these things I've spoken to you that my, may, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, you're going to need his joy because our happiness does not cut it. It's just too fleeting, and we need that fullness of joy. Uh, an entire city, after Philip proclaims Christ to them, a city in Samaria, it says, Acts chapter 8, verse 8, it, it details this, and it says, uh, of that city, there was so much joy in that city. After Philip proclaimed the gospel, this evangelion that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross to save us from our sins, that he raised to walk in new life, that he ascended to heaven, that he's coming back again, and you can believe and be saved. When that was preached, it says there was so much joy in that city. I mean, this is a citywide joy. Like, would it be great to have that kind of joy in Lee City, in Friendswood, in Houston. Praise. People aren't joyful. They're chaotic. They're panicked. They're anxious. They're fearful. Why? Because they don't take joy in the God of their salvation. And when we feel these ways too, it's, it's, it's an important thing to ask ourselves. What is our perspective like? Am I looking only at me as the center of the story or am I taking joy, expressing joy in the God of my salvation? Listen to Paul's prayer for the Christians in Rome who will face persecution. I mean, these, some of these will, will face the ultimate uh, martyrdom for the cause of Christ. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Here's his prayer to them. For them, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. 
What does he know that they need? They need the fullness of joy that comes in abiding in the God of their salvation, Jesus himself. And he says, like, you're, you're going to go through hard stuff. May the God of hope fill you with joy despite your circumstances. Peter writing to Christians who did not get to see Jesus face to face. You did not see him in the flesh face to face. Listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What is the source of our joy? It's not our circumstances. It is Jesus Christ, the risen Nazarene, the Savior of the world, the God of our salvation, who we can put our hope in, who we can find peace in, who we can express joy in no matter our circumstance. So what's the response? Are you going to, you could like, you could get a t-shirt that says joy and wear it, or you could get a bumper sticker and put it on the back of your car, like joy. You could update your like social media joy. That's one possibility, probably won't work. The other thing that you could do, even today, in, in this day, is simply just go to Jesus, the the God of our salvation, that you can remember this good news of mega joy that he was born to transform lives, to forgive sins, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can remember that you have this future, this eternity that is no more tears, no more crying, no more pain anymore because sin has been placed outside the camp. It's been dealt with in the book of Revelation. 100%, everything is restored You can go to Jesus. You can rejoice with your words, with your singing, with your prayers. But you gotta go to the right source. See, if you you look for joy in all the other places, you will never find it. You might find happiness for a moment. You might find pleasure for a moment. Um, But to have joy that sustains in chaos, you can only find that in, in Jesus. He's the only one that, that will provide this. So I'll ask you the question again, how is your joy? How is your joy? Maybe it's best answered with another question. And that question is, who is your joy? Who is your joy? Maybe you ask yourself like practically, I'd like to access Jesus like that, but I I don't know how. I don't know how. Let me make it as simple as you possibly. It's this simple for me this day. Just start talking to him. What does that look like? You don't have to have lofty words. You can thank him for the things that you know he's, he's provided in your life. You can tell him the chaos that you're going through. You can, like Job, argue your case with him. You can bless him. You can ask him for help. Just talk to him. 
This is going to sound weird, maybe, to some of you, but I pray better when I talk out loud to him. This is me. When I actually have to move my lips to talk to God, I'm less distracted, I'm more connected, and when I get done talking and I sit in silence, I hear from him. I hear from him. It's way more simple than you can imagine. And what you will find is joy there. The shepherds found it. The magi found it. Everyone who's ever come to Christ and abided in him finds the fullness of joy that is in him despite circumstances. Why you can go to the other side of the world in a war-torn place where people are being persecuted and they have the joy of the Lord. And Americans who have everything in that moment, you find yourself as an American looking at that and going, why don't I have that joy? It's because we don't go to the right sources. It's, it's, we, we try to source joy in the wrong places. So the answer to the question, how is your joy, is answered with the question, who is your joy? If you want joy in the chaos, you're just going to have to connect with Jesus. Would you bow your head, close your eyes? Let's ask the Lord just to speak to you in these last minutes together about anything he wants to say to you. Father, we thank you that you are the God of our salvation. You have kept all your promises. We thank you that no matter what our circumstances are, they're always changing. You never change. Jesus, thank you for loving us and giving yourself for us. Help us to be a people that abide in you. And as we think about you coming born in Bethlehem, coming to us, Would you help us to think about coming to you every day? Would you nudge us by your spirit to just converse with you, to talk with you, to be in your presence, to read your word, Father, to hear from you, that we might have joy and it might be full. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters, my friends and family members who have listened to this teaching, listened to this scripture, and thought to themselves, like, I don't have joy right now. Lord, would you help them to shift their eyes from their circumstances and the pain to you for just a moment. Father, for those who have never experienced the joy of Christ, being free from their sin because of what you've done, Jesus, I pray that you would draw them to salvation today. You would draw them by your spirit to believe that you are the one who died on a cross to save them from their sins. That if they just believe in you, they can have everlasting life, a joy that is inexpressible despite their circumstances. Lord, in our grief, help us to have joy. In our difficulty, help us to have joy. In our suffering, help us to have joy. In our successes, 
Help us to remember the source of our joy. You're a good and holy God, righteous above all. There's none like you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.